The Education Apple, Episode 16, recorded on June 6, 2013. Welcome to the Education Apple. This is Bill Brazil, your host for the evening, and um, this is the show that uh, discusses Apple technology in the formal classroom as well as in the classroom of our daily lives, and there is a lot going on these days. Uh, summer is starting to heat up as far as um, Apple, and uh, we got WWDC around the corner, so we've got a lot to talk about tonight, but before we get to that... Uh, I want to introduce our um, cast. It's uh, myself, Bill Brazil, and uh, Barrett Mossbacker is with us tonight. Barrett's the superintendent of Briarwood Christian School and also a publisher in the uh, Christian School Journal. So, uh, Barrett, how are you doing tonight? Bill, I'm doing great, and as always, it's wonderful to be with you and our listeners. Great. Glad you uh, were able to join us tonight. Um I guess uh, your summer is uh, off to a good start, and things are a little bit different uh, around the school campus, but still plenty of activities going on, I'm sure. Yeah, it's, it's a different kind of busy, but uh, summer's actually one of my busier times as we uh, wrap up the last year and are setting the stage and preparing everything for next year, but uh, but we're looking forward to it. Good, good. Well, um, I enjoyed getting to spend a little bit of time with some of the teachers uh, over there on this past Tuesday, and we had a good day of training. I think uh, it seemed like it went pretty well. I got some good feedback, um, and I don't know what you heard about it, but uh, I thought it went pretty well. Well, they they mostly asked if I could thought I could find a decent trainer next time. You know, <laughs> when we did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Yes, no, it was it was tremendous. Uh, as I told you at the end of the training session, I thought it was every bit as good and frankly better in many instances than some of our best uh, Apple trainers that we've had on campus. So uh, it uh, went extremely well. And of course, our listeners probably don't know what we're talking about, but you had uh, conducted the iBooks author training uh, for a group of our teachers, and uh, for our teachers, it was strictly voluntary. And I was quite impressed and pleased that we had about 25 of our faculty show up uh, during the summer uh, with no additional incentive, money, or anything involved uh, to participate in this free training. And uh, you did a great job, and we were grateful for it. Well, it was a lot of fun. I was glad I was able to do it. And um, I guess I knew about uh, maybe a little less than half of the folks that were there, so I got to Got to meet some new people, and uh, it was fun catching up with some of the others that I already knew. So, um, uh, like I say, I, I think it was uh, it was a lot of fun for me, and hopefully the, the other folks got a lot out of it. So, um, anyway, that was good to good to do, and it'll be fun to see how they uh, utilize uh, iBooks Author here in the in the future and what they come up with, because there's lots of lots of opportunities for them, possibilities, and we'll just leave it in there hands for some uh, creativity so um, anyway well we'll move on and uh, kick things off we've got uh, as I mentioned a lot of things uh, in the news and um, WWDC is just around the corner they'll have their keynote on Monday and uh, hopefully there'll be some uh, good Apple news but there are some uh, rumors floating around and some other uh, uh, items that we can discuss, uh, both related to that and otherwise. But um, the first thing that I had uh, noticed in the news this past week was an article about um, iOS and how it's dominating in the enterprise. And I think uh, for a while now, um, iOS devices, both iPhones and iPads, have been um, being utilized and activated in uh, corporations and in the business world. And I saw that for the first quarter of this year, um, Apple uh, iOS devices made up 75% of the total device activations in the uh, enterprise market. So that's, that's pretty significant. Now, uh, Android came in second at around 25%. And... Um, then when there's not a whole lot left there for Windows phones and others, they uh, made up about 1%. So I guess that's about what we would normally 
expect or uh, as far as Windows stuff is concerned because that has not really taken off. But um, the the main breakdown there is uh, iOS devices are you know three quarters of that market and uh, Android is about uh, a quarter. So uh, and then uh, six of the top ten devices are. Uh, Apple devices there, so got a pretty good stronghold uh, in the corporate world right now, and uh, hopefully they'll be building on that as um, time goes forward. So, um, any any observations on that, Barrett? I guess that's about what you would expect too, isn't it? Well, it is, and but I think the thing that came to my mind is looking at those numbers was it is an opportunity if Apple chooses to seize on it, and they may choose not to. Uh, because it may not fit their corporate mission and, and objectives. Um, but with all of the um, iOS devices going into the enterprise, it would seem to me that that could have a halo effect uh, insofar as laptops and, and other hardware that Apple has and services. Uh, I guess it's to be seen whether or not Apple One will pursue it, and then secondly, whether or not there's enough of a halo effect to, to begin to break down the walls with the Wintel system that is dominant in the in the enterprise. Yeah, that would be uh, nice to see. I'm not sure we're we're quite there yet, but with um, Windows 8, that really has not helped uh, Microsoft's um, efforts a whole lot. And I think there's still a lot of uh, hesitation to move forward with any upgrades on the Windows front. So, um, you know that uh, that still leaves leaves the door cracked for Apple to try to gain some market share there. But um, only time will tell if that's really gonna going to happen. But I do think uh, on the the iOS device front, the phones and and tablets and all that, um, it does kind of point out that people, uh, corporations recognize Apple as um, probably being a little bit better on the security front than Android. So, um, you know, that's something else that uh, I think we've felt uh, is the case and, and Android still uh, is not quite there on the security side, but um, well, Bill. You know, interestingly enough, that you bring this up, I actually attended a uh, half-day seminar yesterday with Apple executives and AT&T executives. They they uh, they held a a joint uh, workshop or seminar, I suppose, at the Marriott here, uh, and their whole focus at that entire time was iOS devices within the enterprise. And they actually had several other company third, you know, other partners that were there. Uh, and then they showcased how the various iOS devices are being used in different industries from medicine to construction. Uh, and it was really quite a, a well-done uh, four hours of seminar. Uh, I, I bet it was. I bet that was really interesting. I know there's a lot of uh, you know, a lot of ways that those devices are being utilized now, so you probably got some uh, some interesting views on that. So that sounds good. But did they say much about security? Was that a... A highlight. I mean, usually in the corp- corporate world, you know, that's one of the first things that uh, the IT folks want to want to look at, and that'll really, you know, either make or break a device as far as being uh, accepted a- into the uh, you know the the private network, the corporate network. Yeah, that they addressed it not only in terms of Apple's own security mechanisms and layering, but they also had a two third-party vendors there that also dealt with mobile security applications. Uh, and so it was really well done. Is in retrospect, now that I think about that, they really didn't talk much at all about laptops or even their Mac Pro. I guess they're due to upgrade here shortly. Uh, it really was the mobile, and given the rapid increase in the utilization of mobile for work. I suspect Apple's not all that interested maybe in the standard PC desktop market, even in the enterprise, but sees their real opportunity on the mobile front. That that could be. Um, it, it's just a, it's a, a probably a little bit easier of a sell um, on the mobile front as opposed to, uh, you know, the, the desktop just because of the embedded base they've got already and uh, a lot more work that would have to be done there. But um Okay, well, uh, the next thing that that, uh, I noticed, and we actually talked a little bit about this over lunch a week or so ago, um, related to Yahoo and um, their uh, changes and upgrades they've made recently to Flickr. Uh, And I saw where they were um, putting together a a commercial, TV commercial campaign to highlight the the changes with Flickr and uh, the upgrades that they've made. And I guess that really kind of, 
um, you know, points out their commitment to to that application. And you know, they've recently redesigned Flickr, and it's I guess been met with mixed reviews. And I have not really used Flickr that much in the past, so I hadn't uh, you know established a a love for the old version. But um, apparently, some people had, and there's been some complaints or some comments uh you know t- folks that are used to the old kind of airing their um you know problems with it you're going to always have that i guess but um they have had a lot of positive uh results and positive comments as well including uh you know some of the metrics that they monitor and uh, the, they said the site uploads are up 71% since the changes so i think that indicates that a lot of people have taken a positive interest in it and are um, putting more pictures up there. So um, that's, that's I guess, a good thing. Uh, I have, like I said, I've begun using it more. And one of the things that really uh, caught my attention right off the bat was the terabyte of free storage space that they're offering. That beats everybody else by a long way. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's a lot of storage. And actually, I'm a, I am a Yahoo Flickr Pro uh, user uh, because, as I've mentioned probably before, I, I'm a bit of an amateur photographer, and I did a lot of research before choosing where I was going to place photos, including the raw photos that I take. Uh, and so I had chosen Flickr, but as Yahoo was struggling over the last number of years, I began to investigate other options for fear that Flickr was going to be abandoned as Yahoo had abandoned some other of its uh, programs, much like uh, Google has you know, sunset a number of its uh, services. Uh, but so I'm personally very grateful to see uh, the renewed emphasis and um, and work being done on Flickr. Uh, the biggest gripe I've seen from pro and prosumer type photographers was it's hard to find some of the meta, uh, metadata on photos as opposed that was as opposed to in the prior design that was front and center. But really, it's it's two clicks away to get the same information. Right. So I'm not sure there's really a big problem with it. I think it may be more just readjusting. Yeah. Uh, and what you're finding. So so was your impression pretty positive then of the changes that they made and did you have any issues with what what the differences were between the old and the new? No, actually I think the new is a good idea for two major reasons. One, the uploads already approving that you've got more participating now with Flickr and the fact that Yahoo's paying attention to it, I would think would be encouraging uh to uh, professional photographers and uh and um enthusiasts. Uh, the other thing, though, is the showcasing of the photos is so much better. Right. Uh, they're just more beautifully done. Well, that's going to attract people to look, look more closely at your photos. And then, of course, you know, a full terabyte worth of storage. That's uh, now I've always had unlimited being a pro user. But if you're not, you know, if you don't pay for that, and you have a terabyte. I'm not sure I need to keep paying for the pro, with the exception of the fact that it's ad free. So I kind of like not having all the ads. But right, right. So I think overall, I'm I'm very pleased with the change. Okay, well that's good. Yeah, and it, it, to me, it was. Wasn't real intuitive in terms of all of the um, uh, deeper features and how you could create what collections and sets and different things like that. But it didn't take long to find it. It wasn't like you're saying front and center necessarily. But um, you know that was something I definitely wanted to be able to work through and work out and uh, find. So uh, it didn't take long to do that. But I am probably going to try to start um, as time allows migrating. Um, my other account over to Flickr and uh, start utilizing it since it's since it's free as opposed to the hundred plus dollars I'm paying on this other service every year, so I could save a little money right there. Oh but, yeah. Um, and and the uh, the other things besides the the storage size, the terabyte of storage was the um, high res uploads. I think that's something. Um, Maybe new at least for non-pro users, and then um, just the the layout. So they that's what their commercial is touting the uh, you know those features and just the the newness of the the new application. So uh, I, I have not seen the commercial other than online. I haven't seen it on TV. Uh, I hadn't been watching a lot of TV lately, so maybe I just missed it. I don't know if you caught it on TV at all, or no, I haven't. Yeah, I don't. I don't know where they're really running it, but uh, maybe it's uh, not even hit the airwaves yet. But it will be soon. So um, anyway, that's uh, 
that's kind of nice when an application uh, makes those kind of improvements and offers that up to everybody uh, on a free basis. So that will be fun to uh, start utilizing that uh, uh, more heavily. So, all right, next I wanted to uh, move on to something that's been in the rumor mill for a while, and uh, that's the, the iRadio Apple's um, entry into the um, free music, I guess you could say, uh, the music offering and, and competing with Spotify and Pandora and some of the others that are out there. Uh, a lot of people have been wondering why it's taken them so long, but I believe that's going to be a big announcement at uh, WWDC next week. And what has been kind of leaked so far is that, um, you know, that will be uh, announced next week. And it's going to be similar to uh, Pandora's mobile app, the way it works as a free service. Uh, but also the big news there is that um, I guess in order to support that uh, free service, they're going to utilize their iAd uh, features that have been out and available for uh, applications, apps that uh, could integrate that iAd uh, functionality, and apparently that's going to be utilized heavily in the iRadio service. So uh, that's a little bit of a shift in focus uh, as 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 far as how that uh, functionality has worked. Uh, of course, they haven't had this opportunity in the past, but apparently. Eddie Q, who is the uh, senior vice president that oversees iTunes and App Store and iAd, is uh, uh, taking this on and, and sees has the vision around this and made this work along with, uh, there's another guy I think they uh, hired from Apple, I mean from Adobe Systems last year, Todd Teresi, who uh, is part of uh, that advertising business. So um, those guys are leading this effort, and I guess they feel like this is going to be a great um, opportunity to to utilize that functionality. So I don't know. I'm I'm you know I hear that, and I'm glad they're going to come out with a new service. But uh, to me, I'm not really a huge uh, radio with advertising fan, so I don't know uh, exactly how that's uh, gonna gonna come across. Um, you know, I like the fact that it's free, but I don't know that I want to hear advertisements every three or four songs. So it'll be interesting how they actually uh, roll it out and and how it works uh, from song to song. So, well, I'm curious. Uh, the last couple of days, uh, everything I have read indicated that they were still struggling uh, to sign Sony. Have you heard anything new since then? Uh, and if they don't sign Sony, do you think they would proceed and just keep negotiating, or would that hold them up? Uh, that's a good question. I bet they will, um, you know, being able to announce it at WWDC is going to be huge. So I think they are going to find a way to still make that happen, whether Sony's on board or whether they have to make some big concessions to get them on board or, or what. I don't know, but I'm pretty sure they're going to make that announcement uh, no matter what happens with Sony. But um, I, I have heard that it the, the iAd... Uh, component and the split between the um, music companies and Apple is pretty favorable to Apple. So I think they uh, have worked it out to where they would get a pretty big cut of um, you know whatever revenue they can they can generate from uh, that component. But uh, you know it could be a pretty lucrative revenue stream for Apple. So I'm sure they're going to try to make it work one way or another. But you know they might have to. I don't know if they even could give Sony a bigger cut than the other guys yeah, that, that they've that already. Could be dicey, yeah. yeah, they wouldn't want to uh, make that public anyway. But you know, um, no telling how that's going to work. But uh, yeah, well, I, I don't know what I think either, Bill. I, I'm certainly wanting to. I'll certainly try it. Uh, I happen to be a big Spotify fan. I, I enjoy their service. Yeah. Uh, one of the advantages potentially for iTunes is I, I kind of like owning music. So I'm expecting that Apple will get me to hear songs I hadn't heard before, then I'll choose to buy it. Yeah. So they'll, they'll have that second revenue stream, Right. And so that wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, I think that's definitely the, the uh, path that they're taking. And, you know, Apple really has a, uh, a great database of, you know, our, our interest and uh, what we buy and what we listen to, and I think they're going to really utilize that to target 
the advertisements that um, specific individuals get. So that should increase their ability to to you know sell songs and and the rest uh, you know per per user. So I think they're going to draw heavily upon the data and the understanding that they have of each one of their customers. So. Um, well, Bill, that, that's a good segue to something I was going to mention a little bit later when we got into software picks or app picks. Uh, I don't know if you have noticed this or not, and but it seems to indicate to me that not only does Apple have a lot of data on us, but I think maybe some of the developers do. In the last month or so, I have been getting some emails from developers of apps that I have purchased or downloaded that I used, tried out, and perhaps chose not to continue using. And I'm getting emails that say, we've noticed that you've used the app a few times, but you haven't used it lately. Would you give us your feedback? Right, um, right. And um, that's a little concerning. Uh, I've, obviously, I expect Apple to know when I purchased it and downloaded it, um, and I don't even necessarily have a problem with them knowing that I'm using it, I suppose. But third-party developers knowing when or how frequently I'm actually using their app and able in such a way that it's not just anonymous – but they actually send me an email. Right. Well, uh, have you had any experience with that? Any any thoughts at all? I my, I don't want to go down too much of a rabbit tra- rabbit trail there, but you had mentioned the data that they have on us. Mm-hmm. So any thoughts? Yeah. Well, of course, um, Apple knows about us because of the the purchasing. But you're right. Um, the the actual apps that we use are able to capture information um, about how often we use it or whatever. Just because uh, most apps, you know, have to. Uh, interact with servers and and uh, databases and whatever uh, the functionality of the app actually provides, and that's where they pick up that information. You you know you're logged in as a uh, specific user, and they're going to have a, an IP address on you typically, and so they're able to track that kind of stuff too, and um, you know are able to to send messages to you when it's been a long time since you last. Uh, logged in or or whatever so yeah um it it can be a little dis uh, disconcerting when when you recognize that hey these guys are keeping <laughs> keeping tabs on me you know night and day well i had always figured they aggregated the data and they couldn't necessarily identify by person as such but if no. they can send me an email yeah. Obviously, they can. So yeah, well, they they can do that, and of course, a lot of these apps, you know, utilize the the Facebook or maybe even the Twitter logins, and you know, when you do that, then you're really opening yourself up to, um, you know, the public, and I, that's one thing that I almost always do not do is take yeah. the yeah. the Facebook uh, path into either. an yeah. application because you no, really I don't are. Either. You really are, um, you know, exposing yourself that way. So. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I always, I always use an email address and a password as right, well. So. Right. Okay. Right. So. Okay. Well, that um, kind of leads us into another uh, area that I, I, I saw some information on this past week, which um, talked about user accounts, and and Apple has 500 million accounts, um, but they aren't the leading account. Uh, Group because Facebook has them beat by pretty much a two to one margin. Um, so Facebook is right over a billion accounts, which <laughs> that's a <laughs> lot of a lot of accounts to keep track of. But uh, you know, Facebook has really been popularized, especially you know with the kids and and adults. So um, I guess that's not a real surprising number, but. Um, so, so Apple, you know, has a lot of accounts and they really have a lot of information, uh, on us because, uh, Apple, the, the difference between Apple and Facebook is that, uh, Apple has, uh, credit card accounts on, uh, file for all their five million, uh, accounts and users. Um, and that's a little bit different than, than Facebook. So that's, you know, that puts Apple in the driver's seat, really. Um, when it comes to accounts and and the uh, the leverage that they have with their users and the the ability to to sell to their user base because uh, Apple generates an average of three hundred twenty nine dollars per user I guess that's per year so um, Amazon is is close behind them with about three hundred five dollars per user per year and and Facebook is way behind. With just five dollars of revenue 
uh, per user per year. So, um, well, I, I'm pretty sure my wife would say that Apple gets more than three hundred dollars for me per year. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm quite, I, I I'm quite so. sure she would she'd say that. So. Yeah, I agree. You know, the <laughs> one the one saving uh, grace to all that though is probably about half of the purchases I make are. Uh, you know, have been purchased as a result of gift cards. So I really like those Apple mm-hmm. gift cards. So that makes it a little bit easier to um, buy apps and music when you know you've yeah, already I got was, the Yeah, I was there. hoping <laughs> to be the five billionth uh, download guy that mm-hmm. got a $10,000. You know, actually they announced it at that uh, conference I was at yesterday. You know, that they gave the guy a 10000 get this, a $10,000 uh, App Store or iTunes card, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, so they gave him ten thousand dollars to give back to Apple. Yeah, <laughs> really. So, <laughs> yeah, that was an easy one to give away. Wasn't yeah, it? that was an easy ten thousand to give. So, yeah, I was, I started wondering about that and just thinking, what would I, would I be? A, I, I guess I could spend ten thousand dollars on it. I don't know. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I could do it if it was to the Apple Store itself, yeah, you know, exactly. like my computer or something. But I don't know about the App Store or the iTunes. That that's a lot of music. I know. I wonder if you can convert if you can convert your your iTunes store to an Apple credit. That would be uh, yeah, that'd be worth something. Yeah, there. I've I've done spent ten thousand. Yeah, I've done it the other way around where I had a, a gift card to the Apple store and then I just uh, converted it to an iTunes card. But I doubt they're going to let you do it the other way around. So yeah, I haven't uh, had the uh, option of trying that with any of a large sum of gift cards, but. Anyway, um, yeah, that that's nice for that fella to be able mm-hmm. to have that in his back pocket. So, <laughs> but, all right. Well, um, let's uh, let's move on to the uh, the rumor category. We kind of had a little bit of a rumor mill. It's not really that much of a rumor mill on the uh, the iRadio, but uh, another area that uh, is considered rumor because we really haven't seen it yet, but we've talked a lot about it. And that is what's going to happen with iOS 7 and what is the uh, the look going to be like. Um, and one uh, person has kind of summed it up as it's going to be black and white and a flat look. So whatever that means, I think, uh, you know, we've definitely uh, recognized that this skeuomorphism is going by the wayside because Johnny Ive has made it very clear that he does not like that type of interface and design so that's going to be taken away and uh, I, I looked up skeuomorphism because some people may not really uh, know exactly what that is or what that means but the, the definition of that is a physical ornament or design on an object made to resemble another material or technique and the picture that uh, was out by the definition I thought was kind of funny was the uh, remember the old station wagons that you had the uh, the fake wood panel <laughs> yeah. on the sides you know I mm-hmm. guess originally that really was wood and then they moved to just kind of the the plastic overlay that kind of looked like wood but that was the uh, picture that was in the <laughs> in the dictionary associated with the skeuomorphism. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there is a, a fair amount of that in iOS, uh, in the iOS now, the uh, version 6. So I think most of that is going to be stripped out and it's going to be, uh, a lot flatter, a lot cleaner, I think, is the, uh, real desire there. So we'll have to see how that, uh, that really turns out. But I think they've been working heavily on that the past, I don't know, six, eight months and uh, they've gone through a number of different versions that Apple engineers have and designers testing it out so uh, hopefully they are um, taking a good slant on that and it's going to uh, to look really good but they did have a little more detail as to uh, exactly what that might uh, look like and how that might come out when they do release it and I don't think they're going to release it until the fall. I think they're still really working on it. They're going to probably make some announcements and maybe show show some things uh, next week. But it's still going to be uh, several months, I think, before it's going to be uh, ready for prime time. So, um, but they they have talked about textures. There won't be many of the textures left, and that's going to be uh, stripped out. And you know, right now in Game Center and Notes with the Yellow paper and a lot of that type of thing is going to be uh, going to be stripped out. The lock screen is going to get a new look. 
I think the the shiny glossy time bar on the top of the the lock screen is going to be um, replaced, and uh, it'll be a much flatter design. And then um, uh, any of that shiny look will be gone. Uh, and they've talked a little bit about the the uh, passcode. If you use the passcode to have one set up, those uh, little uh, boxes that you enter are going to uh, be just uh, uh, flatter, uh, be replaced by round black buttons with with white text and borders. So uh, that's definitely going to look different. Um, and let's see what else. The uh, the notifications. Uh, I think they're going to do a fair amount of work to try to uh, improve the notification center. I know there's. Uh, a lot of ways that that could be improved, so maybe we'll get some uh, uh, better usability to that and provide access to uh, you know some quick options, maybe uh, some news feeds or um, toggles for services like Bluetooth and Wi-Fi. If they put some additional functionality into that uh, notification uh, area, that might be uh, might be a little more useful. I don't know about you bear it, but I don't really um, use that all that often. Occasionally, I'll I'll reference it. But um, do you pull down your your notification center screen very often, or how do you use that? Uh, yes, I do use it because uh, I don't use push notification, a uh, push email a whole lot in order to preserve battery power. Uh, but I do have the VIP set up to show up on the notification and go ahead and push on through. Yeah. And so I will, I will pull it down for that reason. And on the new designs, uh, frankly, I'm glad to see it. Some of them don't bother me at all. I don't mind the glossy and some of that. But for example, I think Apple's calendar program looks awful yeah. um, and kind of cheesy, frankly. So I'm, I'm kind of glad to see some of these changes. Is occurring. Yeah, yeah, I think it'll be, it'll be good. I wish there were going to be some, um, you know, major new features. I don't know that there's going to be a lot of that from the reports. There, there may be a few, but uh, it doesn't sound like there's going to be a lot of emphasis on this release. Maybe they'll be adding that, uh, adding to the functionality a little bit once they get this. Uh, total redesign from a look standpoint done but um a couple- yeah, my, my, yeah my guess bill is it's just a guess that probably the big change will come when they come out with the iphone 6 and you know all the rumors talking about fingerprint recognition and things of that nature i suspect that will be a major change at that point don't you uh yeah i would agree i think uh they'll probably save some things for that and that's uh that hardware is going to allow for some some new features so um but i don't even know maybe they'll uh crack the door on that a little bit and let us know when uh, we can expect to see something on that front because um from a hardware standpoint uh, i haven't really seen a whole lot that's going to be uh, mentioned at wwdc i have seen something about a, a new version of the mac air and that'll be be good to see that's a great a great laptop um and i think mac pro right aren't they doing a yeah they, they they're in line to to definitely upgrade the mac pro i don't know if they're going to talk much about that uh, next week but that has been in the rumor mill as well that that will be uh getting an upgrade and update and um you know we'll definitely you know some people were worried that was just going to disappear altogether and i'm i'm glad that's not what they've got on the drawing board apparently because uh, for for high-end pro users that really is a great machine I've got one um, that uh, is one of the later models and it you know runs circles around anything else I have and I use it heavily for my video work which um, is definitely a, a great platform for doing that but um, yeah I don't want to see that go away for sure because that's that's a, a critical piece for especially people that are doing high-end video work and and um, other pretty heavy number crunching type stuff but well bill let me ask you one other quick question and this might be a good topic for a future show but i've been reading a little bit about is it i hope i pronounce this correctly but is it the hastel chip uh from intel uh yeah i don't know how you spell that or how you say that but i have uh seen that that's going to be a pretty um energy efficient isn't that the one that they're talking about putting in the mac air 
Yes, and yeah. uh, and it's uh, my understanding is you get about fifty percent more battery life and a twenty five percent give or take boost in overall performance. Mm-hmm. Now, if that's the case, I average give or take, depending upon what I'm doing, about five or so hours on my MacBook Pro. If you could nearly, you know, add that by another fifty percent, that's significant. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they may be holding off on major hardware, incorporating all of that into a new release at a later date, anyway. Yeah, yeah, potentially. I know uh, other things they're working on, and, and of course the um, uh, what's the the new connector? They really haven't um, the Thunderbolt. Yeah, Thunderbolt. Yeah. I know that the Mac Pro is going to uh, heavily incorporate Thunderbolt, and um, you know how they uh, have their peripherals attached and all the rest. Of course, that's been out for a while, but uh, it hasn't really been um, uh, utilized a whole lot yet, partly because it's you know pretty expensive. The peripherals have been pretty expensive around that, but um, you know I know that's that that's what I've seen about the Mac Pro. Um, but the- I, I think Bill that that may be about to take off. I read an article yesterday uh, by Intel that said that they've been r- rather slow because they wanted to make sure. Uh, that the quality control and what they were trying to accomplish around Thunderbolt was what they wanted. And they said they're about to pick up steam with about five or six additional uh, partners uh, on releasing more, a lot more peripherals around Thunderbolt. So maybe it's about to reach critical mass. Well, I hope so. And a, a key component of that is going to be, um, you know, the price points because so, up till now th- that that those devices have been pretty expensive relative to to what else you can. Uh, utilize in its place, so um, yeah, I'm hoping that that's gonna uh, those price points will drop some because that'll certainly uh, put a lot more uh, out in people's hands and and it'll be accepted a lot quicker that way. But um, we'll just have to see how that plays out. But I, I think it is time. I mean, it's been uh, probably what a year and a half or so as far as the availability of it. Um, but I think the the newer models are really going to draw heavily, and I know the Mac Pro will. Um, so I don't know. But but for the laptop, I think the newer chips are definitely going to help because, um, yeah, the the battery life is is fairly limited on our our laptops right now, and and uh, if we can get a more efficient processor in there, that'll help that a whole lot. That'll that'll be a a big game changer there. So, mm-hmm. all right. Um, the only other thing I was going to mention that I thought was interesting about um, the iOS 7 uh, information that's been leaked so far is the um, one of the, the few major new features um, could be around a deeper integration of Vimeo and Flickr. We've talked about Flickr a little bit already, but um, Flickr being uh, incorporated more in uh in the iOS and at a, at a deeper integration level so that could be good and I guess that's not surprising that the Vimeo as well as Flickr because of uh you know those are those are non Google apps so <laughs> yeah <laughs> being able that's to right. uh to uh, draw heavily upon those would um you know make them more re- uh reliant or more integrated in uh, uh Yahoo and and Vimeo so um We'll see how that works out, and then the the in car optimization for Maps and Siri. Um, so, now what what does that mean exactly? Do you know what what they're meaning by that? <clears throat> no, I really don't. Unless they're working with some of these uh, car uh, companies to, you know, make some sort of an integration to a screen that they have in their cars uh, work more uh, efficiently and and. Uh, you know, seamlessly with with the uh, iPhone, but I really don't know any more than that. But I think there's a lot of potential there, and I think the car companies recognize that with with so many people um, having those devices now. I think they want to make them, uh, you know, that much more uh, integrated with their cars. So we'll have to see what that really looks like. But I I don't know any more than uh, just that one bullet point that 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 may be part of. Uh, part of the new release of the iOS, so we'll we'll have to see. Okay, um, the next uh, my next category is in the fun category. I always like to throw one of these in because um, it's uh, not too hard to look around the internet and find uh, something interesting 
um, from a, a, a fun and uh, usability standpoint. And what I found this week was something called SpinPod. And uh, it caught my interest because I was down at the beach last week and took some panoramic pictures. And uh, being able to do the panoramic pictures on the uh, iPhone is a really nice feature. Sometimes we kind of forget about it uh, being there. But um, I took advantage of that a little bit this past week. And um, it's really you know, a nice feature to have available. But sometimes it's a little hard to know exactly how quickly and how evenly to move your camera from side to side and get a good uh, uh, panoramic picture. But this little spin pod device that I found is um, is something to kind of address that. And it's a real small uh, kind of round, it looks like a, a hockey puck, a little bit wider than a hockey puck and not quite as thick. It's about uh, a little less than four inches in diameter and a little less than an inch thick, but the way it works is <clears throat> you um, you you uh, put your iPhone in it, you stand it up in uh, this device, and then you basically turn on a little motor that knows the right speed and how to uh, move it from side to side, and it's uh, designed perfectly to get a perfect pan panoramic picture. Um, and you can also do time-lapse photography with it. And uh, it, it's hard to really describe. Uh, it's better to see it. And on their website, um, they have a lot of good video that shows exactly how it works. And um, it's not available yet. It's in a Kickstarter campaign. They're trying to raise about $75,000 by the end of June to um, to make this work. I think right now it's at 32,000 last time I looked at it uh, and the and the devices uh, they're planning to sell it for $59 so it's pretty simple but it does have uh, some really nice features built into it and um, I was thinking about uh, joining in on the Kickstarter uh, donation now, Barrett I know you've done a few of those in the past I haven't done any and I was just kind of curious what happens if they don't make their their gold is all that uh money just disappear what how does that work do you know uh, no no you don't actually get charged you give your credit card or paypal and you do not get charged unless it's successful oh okay all right and so that's yeah in fact i've i've got a device sitting in my macbook pro right now that there was a kickstarter uh project that i helped fund at, and not a huge amount i assure you uh but it's called the nifty drive and it's basically a customized made little a little uh high dsd card ssd card um carousel of sorts that slips into the slot on the side of your Mac. It looks just like the Mac. It's aluminum, and you can put any side of any size uh, SSD card in there, and I use it for my largest presentations just to preserve disk space, and it works beautifully, and that's just one example of, of how I've used Kickstarter to get something that typically has not been on the market yet. Yeah, yeah. I know we've talked about it several times in the past, and I think it's a great idea, and uh, I just haven't really uh, jumped in on one, but I might on this one just because um, it's something I could see using and uh, taking advantage of. And it, uh, like I say, it's pretty simple. It's not going to be that expensive, but it uh, seems like it certainly has a lot of um, uh, good uses, and I think people will will jump on it. So I haven't I haven't watched it over the last. Uh, couple of days I, mean, I think I, I looked at it yesterday and it might have been around 29 or 30 thousand and today it was around 32 thousand so I think it's you know making some progress and ought to be able to uh, hit their goal by the end of June given another three plus weeks so well and the good news like I said you're not risking anything the, I yeah. guess the only risk theoretically you would have is they receive the funding uh, they take your money, and then for some reason they run into some problems and never end up manufacturing it. And right. I don't recall what the implications of that might be. I'd have to go back and read it. Right, right. Well, um, I don't know. They they have, uh, of course, produced some some working models, and that was one of the things I thought was interesting too. Was um, they they've got what they they show and what they use right now are the exact uh, device that's been created via a 3D printer, and that's probably a, a whole other topic that we ought to uh, 
talk about at some point. I have not seen one of these 3D printers, but um, they're getting but, a lot of press these days, I know. But we have one at the school, actually, and we're using it in our robotics class now. Oh, do you really? Yes. Oh, uh, okay. Well, I need yeah, to come up there is, and check it out sometimes. <laughs> it is amazing. They, they brought a small gear uh, that they had uh, printed off on this uh, 3D printer, and I had never seen anything made by it. And yeah. it's, it's just kind of astounding to think that you can literally, through a printer of sorts, uh, create this hard, usable uh, object. Yeah, uh, yeah. So. Well, yeah. It's uh, that's just a. <laughs> it sounds like something from you know a sci-fi type thing. Yeah. But uh, you know, I think the the potential for those is just unbelievable. I was reading something today about it that was talking about some of these car companies are. Um, you know, of course, they've been using them internally for a long time, apparently. But you know, if if you needed a replacement part or um, you know something something else, them being able to uh, just send you the file to be able to print it yourself or print it down at the local uh, whatever printing. <laughs> I guess yeah. I guess Kinkos is going to start <laughs> to have uh, you know 3D printers that you get a file, you can take it down there and and get your part or get whatever you want. But um, yeah, well, you know you, you saw on the internet where they had made a workable uh, functional uh, pistol. Yeah. Good. Yeah. And uh, so it's uh, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, it really is. But um, but they they did say that they've uh, you know what they have now, and I guess some of the first uh, devices, these spin pods that they're going to uh, send out, are going to be created from their 3D printer uh, models. So uh, I don't know, just just interesting stuff. And uh, if you're interested in that type of thing at all, check it out. It's the spin pod, and um, uh, you might see that it's got some uh, good uses that you might be able to take advantage of but um, anyway so that that's kind of covers the news um, for the past week or so the things that kind of jumped out at me and uh, Barrett you had sent me a uh, link to an article I thought we could talk a little bit about um, uh, related to how the cloud and uh, VoIP have changed how people work uh, a lot around telecommuting and and of course it has a number of other applications as well now i'm a i'm a telecommuter i do a good bit of uh telecommuting with with AT&T and have uh enjoyed that and and taken advantage of it i think um i've got some some pros and cons in my mind having uh done that a good bit um that we can talk about but uh i think this article that that uh, you sent us was really kind of talking about how um, VoIP or voice over IP and and, uh, internet technologies along with the cloud have kind of taken telecommuting to a a whole new level and how companies are embracing the idea a whole lot more now that they've got um, uh, you know some some pretty solid foundation to support telecommuting so so we can talk about that a little bit and it also you know has a definite application in the school envi- environment with with e-learning and um being able to connect uh cross country and across the world with other um other classes and and other uh students and just talking about uh subjects and interacting at that level so you probably have some good insights from that standpoint too Barrett because I know that uh, Briarwood has been doing that for several years now and um, I think that's gone pretty well for you hasn't it? Well it has Uh, we've got uh, more work to do but we started a number of years ago this is how things have changed with a very large dual screen polycom um, telecommuting system or telepresence type system Uh, and we use that for connecting with other schools and different different uh, in other countries but now what we're doing because all of the classrooms have the smart boards and projectors and all of them are connected to the macs and the ipads uh, we either use skype or uh, google hangouts and one key example of how we use this on a consistent basis is with our mandarin chinese program 
And uh, so our students, of course, are learning their Chinese, and the uh, Chinese are practicing their English. And uh, I'd say once every two weeks, give or take, uh, one of the schools will start really early or come back really late and connect together, and they'll practice their languages uh, from student to student, classroom to classroom. Uh, so that's an example of how we're doing that. And then, of course, during political campaigns, uh, we want to have more of our history teachers invite uh, politicians who are running for office or others uh, to actually converse with the students in the class real time. So, or, or maybe uh, a modern author uh, communicate with one of our uh, uh, literature classes about yeah. how he, he or she writes. So there are so many possible applications. Yeah. The other thing is there, there are increasing numbers of reports, Bill, coming out where more and more students and parents are becoming much more comfortable and accepting of the notion of online learning. And as that gains steam and credibility, uh, I suspect that that's going to change the overall paradigm and marketplace itself, not only at the collegiate level, which is already having an impact, but the K-12 market as well. So the implications um, are significant both now but especially, I'd say, within the next five to ten years. They could be rather profound changes in the way people perceive a uh, way they need to acquire an education. Yeah. Well, the whole idea is uh, definitely becoming more accepted and uh you know with it being in in corporate in the corporate world and a lot more people are familiar with it i will say um you know from from a corporate standpoint um you know if you're doing a lot of work from uh you know kind of independently or or uh even collaborating with a few others it it it's definitely a good way to work and and with the tools that are available now um, you know, you don't need to be in the office, but, um, you know, there is a definite, uh, you know, personal touch loss when, when you're telecommuting. And I think one example that, uh, I, I really recognize and, and can, um, relate to is if, if you haven't met the people face-to-face that you're working with, it's a whole different dynamic than if you are telecommuting and collaborating remotely with people that you do know and and have interacted with personally face-to-face. And I think that's a a little bit of an issue. And I know people coming into our uh, office and and working in our group that um, never have met the people uh, face-to-face, I think that's Difficult. It just puts a, a different dynamic on that relationship, and uh, it's it's hard to get past um, you know just the surface level. And sometimes you don't have to do that, but to really you know take things to the next level, that's that's pretty important to be able to um, you know interact and relate to people on a lower level. So that's something that um, you know I don't know uh, exactly what the answers to that are. Well, Bill, Bill, I agree. In fact, in in insofar as education is concerned, I view, at least as it stands now, uh, any video conferencing, telecommunications, distance online learning to be supplemental, remedial, credit recovery, or enhancements to what you're doing, but not an out and out replacement of yeah. the regular classroom. Not if you want a highly engaging, very rich. A relational environment because you're right. I mean, you can connect with the teacher, you can video conference and ask him or her questions, that sort of thing, but you're not building a relationship. And the key component of any good team, whether it be business or in school or between a teacher and a classroom, really are those relationships. And you, you cannot substitute the personal presence for doing it virtually. That doesn't mean right. virtual doesn't have its place, can enhance and, and extend what you're doing, but I don't think it ideally is a complete substitute not if you want to retain kind of the best of both yeah exactly and i think that's what we've saw with um you know recently in the news with marissa mayer um at yahoo basically doing away with telecommuting at least for the time being because um you know i think she recognized that um you know they could not do their best work uh and and they needed to do their best work to get yahoo uh, you know, out of the trenches and and really moving forward again, and that uh, telecommuting was not really going to provide that. So, you know, by her pretty much uh, ditching the telecommuting at, at Yahoo, I think that was the statement she was really making there. And, um, and I think already they've they've uh, produced some 
upgrades. Maybe you know Flickr was a result of that, as well as uh, some of their other applications that uh, recently have gone under some major enhancements. And I think they've done that pretty quickly. And uh, I believe that was a result of you know really some some tight knit groups working and collaborating face to face and and making all that happen. So I believe that was the the statement she made there. And I think it was a good call. Yep. I think she yep. did. That was the right thing to do there. So, um, but it is uh, it is a whole new uh, area that uh, people are getting introduced to, and and it can definitely have some some real benefits. The important part is uh, just recognizing where to draw the line, and that it's not a, a one size fits all type of approach to uh, to doing our work. So, um, but I appreciate you uh, bringing that up, Barrett, because I do think it has some. Uh, some real re- relevance to uh, both the working world as well as the, the educational environment, and uh, we're both experiencing a lot of that uh, in in those areas. So, all right, well, let's move on to uh, kind of our final area. We like to uh, pick out some applications and some uh, maybe some Twitter folks that we're following, and uh, this is always kind of I always love hearing what other people. Are doing. I, I tend to learn a lot by listening to uh, what other people have found and and are taking advantage of. So uh, that's what we want to share with you guys as well. So Barrett, I'm going to let you kick us off. And uh, what have you found on those fronts that you think might be of value to other people? Well, just a couple things. Uh, actually, I'm going to mention a piece of hardware though before I mention some software, and uh, that is Logitech's what's called the Fab. Fabric Skin, one word, Fabric Skin Keyboard Folio. Uh, I have tried, because I like to use my iPad for meeting notes and for writing rather than a Mac whenever I'm able to do it, uh, I have tried a lot of different iPad keyboards, and uh, they've all had their strengths and their weaknesses. Uh, and recently, I purchased a brand-new Logitech Fabric Skin, and i got to tell you, Bill, that is the best iPad case, a keyboard Bluetooth keyboard case that I have ever used. In yeah. fact, I've quit looking at this point. Um, <laughs> it's it's not uh, it's not real uh, light. It's a little bit on the heavy side, and there are too many features to go into. But I would just encourage our listeners to take a look at it. Uh, I believe Best Buy has those, and you could probably take a hands-on look at it at Best Buy as well. And Best Buy now matches online pricing, uh, is my understanding. And so some of our listeners may want to take a look at it. But it is a great keyboard. It provides full protection um, and the magnet and the way that the iPad sets up on it works well. You can fold the keyboard back behind your screen for reading comfort. So it's just a great case. I'd highly recommend our readers at least take a look at it. Yeah, how much uh, does that run? It's pretty expensive. It's about 149 Okay. Well, so, yeah, not too much Most of them running the around others. $99. Yeah, right. most of them are running 99 So you're, about, you're spending another $50. But frankly, it's money well spent in my in my estimation. Right, and I, I did see that the other day, and I do uh, I like the the rubber surface. Any of those those mm-hmm. smaller devices, I think that's important to to have something that's easy to grip because the last thing you really want to do is drop one of those. And right. um, yeah, I did like the surface on that as well. Well, and of course the keyboard is completely covered, so you 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 can't hurt the keyboard by spilling something on it, that kind of thing. So it's just got a lot going for it. Uh, yeah. Very creative, very yeah. good. As far as software pick, uh, today I think I would recommend BusyCal. Uh, that's what I use on my MacBook Pro. Uh, they don't have an iPad version or an iPhone version of it, so I use a, uh, the, the um, default app on my iPad, but I use, uh, fan, I think it's fantastical uh, for my iPhone. But BusyCal is a beautifully designed client, uh, a cl- calendar application client for your MacBook. Uh, and uh, it's beautifully designed. It includes a to-do list, all the syncing of the various services together. It incorporates weather forecast into your upper all-day bar, uh, holidays, and all those sorts of things. And it works uh, flawlessly. Um, and uh, in my test over the last month or so, and so it is my default calendar completely on my Mac, and uh, very flexible, very fast, uh, and it also has an, an, a menu drop-down icon. You click on it, and it will drop down however many days you preset that you can scroll down this uh, neat menu. You can add an event to it immediately. Then you click back on the icon, and it retracts back up at the menu, so it really works very well. I'd highly recommend it. Okay. 
And then let's see. My Twitter pick would be the Office of Ed Tech. It's all one word, the at symbol, then Office of Ed Tech, which is from the U.S. government. It has around 37 followers, uh, 37,000 followers rather, and they focus on educational technology specifically and how to enhance and expand that technology for the benefit of staff and students. All right, great. Great. Well, mine, um, I've got one app pick that I was going to throw out there this week, and it is uh, an app called Pocket, and it's available both on the uh, iPhone and iPad as well as on the Mac. Um, so uh, it is a application that you can use to uh, save off um, uh, files, uh, news, Twitter, uh postings, all kinds of uh, information that you run across and, and are reading about. And so it's kind of a place that you can uh, easily throw those articles that you want to save for later and either reference again or read in more detail or whatever. Um, and so it's very easy to uh, integrate a lot of applications it's already integrated into, and uh, you can add it to your your browsers. Um, I know I, I read a lot of uh, articles and things through. Uh, uh, um, <laughs> just going blank my uh, my main uh, news reader that I use, but uh, Flipboard. Um, and so I I use that uh, you know heavily and are able to go back and and find those articles real easily. So uh, they have eight million users and. Um, they say that uh, 350 million uh, items have been saved into their pocket application. So uh, yeah, I, I use it as well. It's it's a great application. Yeah, it really is. If if you're not using it and and want to be able to uh, you know easily get back to those articles, that's the way to do it. Articles and videos and images, and it's kind of nice because in the uh, pocket application, once you go back and and reference the things that you've saved, it will automatically kind of categorize your articles and then if those articles have videos or images in them it'll also um, recognize that so you can go back go straight back to videos uh, from those articles pretty easily um, so uh, it's got some real nice features fa fairly simple to use but does have a lot of good features that uh, can save you a lot of time and and uh, be very helpful to you and uh and that that's free i don't i don't think i said that but it's free it runs ios os x and android as well and uh it's hard to beat free so um i think uh, i think you'd like it if you hadn't used it before and then my twitter pick this week um is uh ken siegel and i've, I've we've mentioned him a little bit in the past he uh is um Worked with um, Apple a good bit and Steve Jobs all the way back to when Jobs was at Next Computer. And um, his uh, Twitter handle is at K-S-E-G-A-L-L, uh, K-Siegel. And I really didn't, uh, he doesn't really post a whole lot on Twitter, so it's kind of a, a backdoor way of uh, talking a little bit about a book that he recently uh released it's called insanely simple and uh, i read over uh my uh, time at the beach and it's a pretty easy read uh, but he's got a lot of good um stories from his interactions with steve jobs and he was pretty close with him because you know uh, jobs like to uh, market and advertise and that's what uh, Ken Siegel was all about he was kind of the marketing and advertising guy I don't think he was actually uh, employed by Apple but uh, he was employed by the uh, uh, advertising firm that they used and was kind of uh, Jobs' uh, go-to guy there and and they kept the same advertising firm for a number of years so he was uh, involved there for a long time but um <clears throat> he does post a little bit on twitter but he also has a a blog and uh, just some pretty interesting insights that uh, you might find um uh interesting but also i just recommend that uh, book insanely simple and it's it's uh it on the new york times bestseller list recently and just the the main point is how simple is hard you know we often want to 
try to um, make things a lot more complicated than they need to be, uh, and we get kind of stuck in that uh, rut, not not going down the easy path, but um, you know being complicated a lot of times when we don't need to be. Um, and so his his whole point is is getting to that simple place, I guess you could say. And he he talks about how simple is oftentimes hard because we do get uh, drugged down by the complicated and complex. So that's the main um, point of the book. But he's got a lot of good stories to kind of support that and and uh, how that uh, has has uh, kind of transformed. Apple uh, throughout the years, and um, uh, pretty pretty good stuff to to be thinking about and have on the front of your mind when you're approaching uh, different tasks and in, in, in your work. So I thought that uh, might be helpful. And um, with that, uh, it's time to to close up for this uh, episode. And uh, as we close down. I'll remind everybody that um, you can find me on Twitter at Bill Brazil. That's B-I-L-L-B-R-A-Z-E-A-L. And uh, on the web as well at uh, BillBrazil.com. And that's where you can find the show notes for this and all our previous episodes, uh, as well as the uh, audio if you don't uh, have a podcast uh, catcher of some other sort. So uh, you can find us there. And Barrett, where can we find you out there on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at B Mossbacker, and that's with one S at B M O S B A C K E R, and on my blog, Christian School Journal. All right. Well, uh, thanks for your input, Barrett, and uh, hopefully you guys have um, found something interesting in our show this week. So uh, hopefully you will tune us back in down the road and, and uh, be sure to tell your friends and to listen in when they can and uh, watch for our next episode hopefully we'll be back in a couple of weeks we took uh, a lot of time off this past month but we had a lot of things going on but we uh, we definitely will be uh, around this summer so uh, check in in a couple of weeks see if we will have another episode for you but um, until then thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time